Fiona. Episode 192. The one where we come and see that Simon's not wrong. The Fiona's Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Chosen out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theonites! I didn't even get the... I think we're out of practice. Is your microphone on? Uh, yes, it is on. I'm just... Oh, I'm sorry. It's a little hotter in the recorder than it is in your ears. I just don't hear you very well, yeah. David. Sorry. So where have we been, David? Um, I miss you so much. I nearly died. You did? <laughs> really? What happened? Okay, so, uh, yes, I had heart surgery. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Not That's meta- not a laugh. Not That's for real. <laughs> not metaphorically. Did God take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh? Yes, he did. Like, Actually, he didn't. I was like, what happened is I was they like, took created out- me a clean heart. <laughs> oh and all of a sudden I'm like in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much pressure. Thanks, God, no. Oh. Uh, no, actually what happened is they took out your valve of flesh and put in a valve of fake. Yeah, of, yeah some sort of new age silicon, uh, I don't know, something made the space shuttles made out of. I right. <laughs> have you, have you like, like worried about turning into a cyborg? No, I've, I've been jazzed about that. Actually. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So all joking aside, I did have a valve replaced. Yes, he did. Um, and that took me out for longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be, Oh, this is an easy heart surgery. It happens all the time. I'll, so, yeah, I'll this, be in and out. This makes sense. And viewer, our viewers, listeners, if you don't know David personally, you know that he tends to uh, just think that he's pretty much Superman, and uh, and nothing <laughs> is going to affect him. And so, when he hears heart surgery, he's like, "Ah, no big deal." So he tells his best friend who lives in Oklahoma City, "Oh, it's a two day procedure, nothing big." Ends up in the hospital for how many days? Well, it was only like three or four days the first time. The first time, time <laughs> he comes home and then two days later goes back in for like a week. A week, yeah. yeah. I had an effusion. Which oh, is my goodness. Water around the heart. Right. So I had all these these Jesus moments while I'm laying in the hospital. I'm like, okay, they're going to pierce my side and water and blood's going to come out. And then I got to looking around and, and I had an IV in one hand and they were taking blood out of the other hand. for, <laughs> And I'm like... My hands are pierced. So so all you need, what you're saying is all you needed was somebody to pierce your feet yeah. and, and St. Frank would have nothing on right. you. Right. I was like, I'm going to be stigmata. I'm going <laughs> to, sainthood is coming as soon as they pierce my feet. Oh, only David. Okay. So uh, anyway, man, we are so glad that you're back and you're healthy and you're healing. And, yes, I'm feeling uh, great now. I've got new part in my body. Right. <laughs> 
And w- and what a Theonauts episode to come back on. Oh yes. Then so like the pinnacle of guys. probably I don't think it's gonna get any better from here. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it can only get worse. It can only get worse because <laughs> we have the best guest on today that we've we've ever dreamed of. Uh, yes. the creator, uh, the writer, the producer, and the director of the chosen series, mm-hmm. Dallas Jenkins has uh, chosen to grace our podcast and uh, and answer our deepest questions. Yeah, so let's stop talking about us and get into this. You ready? I'm ready, dude. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, today on the Theo Notch, we it is our great honor and privilege to welcome writer, producer, director of the chosen Dallas Jenkins. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. We're we are geeking out in the studio and super excited. Uh, if you guys have heard our podcast from the past, especially Theopop, when we did an episode about the chosen man, uh, we are huge fans of this series, Dallas. It's it's brought life. Uh, to to, I think a I would say almost semi dead cinema as as far as uh, Christian, Christian media, media yeah. was concerned, and so we're really we're very thankful about what you've done and what your your people have done uh, to bring this to to fruition. So it's pretty awesome. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Off of that, the first question we we kind of wanted to ask you. So when you first started this. <clears throat> this uh, endeavor, this uh, series, was it anything what you expected it to become? Like, how is it? How is it grown? Yeah, like, and- like logistically, are you just overwhelmed at this point that it has gotten <laughs> to where it is? So, I'm going to give an answer that is 100% truthful, but it sounds like a cop out. But so, bear bear with me. Sure. I I mean this when I say it. I didn't have expectations. I got out of that game a few years ago when my movie, my feature film failed at the box office. And it's a, it's a long story that I won't bore you with now. I've, I've shared it on, on our social media pages many times, but uh, I was, I had, I had this man share with me this truth that God was, I think, trying to tell me uh, through my own life, but, but it took this guy to tell it to me that really sink in, which is it's not your job to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. Mm. And, that means a lot of different things. And one of them, I believe it means, at least for me, is that I just can't worry about the 5,000, whether or not, I mean, that I, I love the 5,000. I love people. Sure. I want to be, I want to impact as many people as possible. And our goal as a team is essentially, we want to introduce the authentic Jesus to a billion people around the world. <laughs> but even that goal, I don't, I don't think about a billion people when I'm writing the show. Yeah. I don't think about, I mean, when I sit down in front of a blank computer screen to write an episode, that blank computer screen doesn't give a rip as to how successful season one was or how many people have been impacted or the the fact that the, the crowdfunding worked so well or anything. Right. It, I, I'm still have to write a great TV show and I have to write something that I, that I believe will be impactful and that captures the, um, the, the intentions and character of Jesus and the Gospels. And that is really, really hard. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. So if I, if I have to add to that an expectation of how it's going to do, a goal in mind of how much money we're going to get, 
it's too much. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And I think, I believe it's actually for me sinful. I I think that that's actually part of why it's successful. Yeah, because right. I believe that too. That's the way God works. You know, I mean, if you went into yeah. this trying to be overly successful, you probably would flop. But because it's all about Him and glorifying Him, I think He blesses it. And you can yeah, see and that. I think, yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I'll just say this real quick. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but oh, I think fine. it's if it's not that I'm. God's doing everything. It's not like I just go, all right, God, you tell this story. I'm just going <laughs> to get out of the way. Because I think that can become its own kind of platitude and this kind of false sense of irresponsibility. Uh, we do still do need to provide the loaves and fish. That's what's so mm. great about the loaves mm. and fish story, yes. is that Jesus didn't just wave his hands and, and all of a sudden uh, 5,000 fish and 5,000 loaves appeared in everyone's laps. Right. Uh, he said, find some food. Mm. Yeah. And they went and found five loaves and two fish. So we still do our part. We still do everything that we don't need a miracle for. Uh, you know, we still go all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, but then ultimately, for the miracle to happen or for 5,000 people to be fed or for a show that's not on any platform or a cable channel and has no money behind it other than what the people provide, ultimately the waters are going to have to part and God's going to have to do the feeding of the five Yeah, So so it's kind of like, but but, uh, but I still have to do my part. It's kind of like the whole concept of beauty from ashes. So there's, there's, there's material that God has to work with. Not that he needs to, but I mean, there's, there's material he wants to work with. He, and it's, and it's our insufficiencies that he can take and, and, uh, well, yeah. Sure. And, and I think, and if, and if, if he didn't, he wouldn't have, I mean, there, there would no, be no reason to create us. I mean, if, if the, 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 this story that God is telling through over the course of history and ultimately eternity <clears throat> is a beautiful story that we get the privilege of participating in. Right. And, uh, and the, I think the, the that, ashes, the ashes are a key part of it. Mm-hmm. I think it comes out so beautifully in, in the way that you're actually telling these stories. For example, Jesus sends James and John to go plow a field. He doesn't reveal anything else, <laughs> yep, right, right? Anything right. further, but they simply have a task, and he invites and, them. Into and they that actually task. have one thing in mind, right? It's, that's not quite right. And it's such a grandiose <laughs> thing. You have right. Simon Peter who's doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. He has this. He has a plan that he's going to go, and he's going to he's going to make you know Jesus's name great, and you know he's going to put in place security and all these things. Yeah. And yeah. and Jesus is simply giving him the next step as he goes along. And it's such a beautiful picture of exactly how God works in our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way that he's done it with the chosen. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the chosen isn't, is in many ways, the content of the show is a mirror or some sort of, it's an extension of what's happening in our lives. Sure. And our goal was uh, from the beginning, uh, I said, I, I believe if you can see Jesus with the eyes of those who actually met him, mm. you can be changed and impacted in the same way they were. So my my goal was to give you an accurate or at least plausible view of what their lives were like and what their experiences were like when they encountered Jesus, and that includes the before, the which which isn't typically included in the Gospels, who these people were before they met Jesus, right. and the idea would be that the viewer would be able to watch it and go, "I'm Simon, that's me. I've struggled with that. I'm, <laughs> yes. I have that question, or I'm Mary Magdalene. Maybe I'm not demon possessed, but I have a vice, or I have something that is keeping me from." my true identity or right. keeping me from Jesus. And then that moment when Jesus comes in and puts his hand on Mary's and mm. says, that's not for you. Mm. Or when he says to Simon, you know, uh, look at me, look, lift up your head. Right. Um, you know, we, we have Jesus throughout the show. At least we're halfway through season two 
And we've probably had at least five or six scenes where Jesus specifically says, look at me, look at right. me, yes. at him. don't yes. look at him, don't look at that, look at me. Yeah. And that's, that's the theme of the show. And I believe if we can identify with the struggles and the questions and the challenges that they have, we can identify with the answers mm. and the solutions. And that's ultimately what the show is about, what we're trying to accomplish. And so Amen. that's what's happening in my life. Uh, and it's what's happening yeah. in the lives yeah, all of, of our lives. And so when we yeah. can connect with those people, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's what you, the two of you, I'm sure if I said to you, which, which of these characters <laughs> fits you, you'd, you'd have the answer pretty, pretty quickly. And, and oh, I think that's definitely. a lot of people. Yes. So, you know, it, and you mentioned characters as, because obviously a lot of this stuff is not coming from scripture. It's coming from creative license. Uh, but the right. beauty that I see in it is being a theology freak, you know, and I don't, I'm not seeing like errors in scripture. I'm seeing something that is very plausibly something that could fit into what we do know and what we, we know is the truth. Yeah. And so one of the things we were talking about last night in uh, the questions and stuff we wanted to talk about is this, the characters that you've built around, like the, the character um, personalities that you have fleshed out in the, in this, in the fictional telling of it uh, is amazing. Right. Like, uh, so we've got to start with Jesus. <laughs> so, Jonathan Rumi is obviously doing a bang oh up job. Yeah. Uh, but what yeah. was what was your what was your goal with this portrayal of Jesus? Like, what did you want more than anything Jesus to to convey uh, in the stories? Yeah, I think the answer is pretty easy. It's humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the danger of that answer and what might scare people who are theology buffs like you guys um, is. Well, if you're stressing too much at the humanity, you miss out on the deity, mm. and or you devalue yeah. the deity. And what 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 we've found is the opposite has been true. Yes, uh, that's I, so true. I I I found found that look when we do this show, we're going to tell the we're going to show the miracles, and Jesus is going to claim deity. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He doesn't deny it. He says it. Mm. For some reason, <laughs> as I don't always fully understand in the Gospels. He hid that initially. Right. He oftentimes mm-hmm. told people not to tell others. So, right. you know, we, we, we've, uh, we've had opinions on why that is, but we're not 100% sure. But Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. He is the Messiah, and he does miracles, and we show the miracles in the show. Yeah. So that's there no matter what. Sure. So because that's kind of the safety net on the deity side. Yeah. Now I can focus on the humanity. Mm. And we're going to show Jesus stretching out sore muscles. We're going to show Jesus doing his bedtime prayers. We're going to show Jesus trying to start a fire. We're going to show him telling telling jokes. We're going to show him laughing. We're going to show him dancing with his friends. Oh, we're yes. going to show that the first the first public miracle he ever did was at its root a favor for his friends because his mom asked him to. Right. Yeah. So good. I- Those things are, you know, based on this word Emmanuel, which my wife talked oh. about in the devotional book we did based mm. on The Chosen, which is typically a Christmas term, but the right. phrase God with us, what does that look like? Yeah. And and why did Jesus turn water into wine? Mm. Because Emmanuel, God with us, he had friends. They were embarrassed. His mom said, please save my friends from embarrassment. <laughs> yes. We went, right. okay, I'll save my friends from embarrassment. And, and that's something we can all relate to. Yeah. Like we were yeah. in those situations. So, so. it's, you so know, when you realize that the creator of the universe laughed and told jokes and, <laughs> and, and had to stretch out sore muscles just like we did, 
it actually enhances the divinity side mm. and makes you go, oh my gosh, I can have a personal relationship and look in the eyes of the creator of the universe. Wow, that's even more amazing than I thought when I saw some painting of him with a halo around his <laughs> Right. Yeah. It makes it real. And so that's one of the things that that just blew me away about this series. Is, and I've seen, I, I grew up in the church, so I was subject to so many different movies <laughs> growing up of depictions of Jesus. And I've seen him in every different aspect, of, you know, from, from the, the, the Robert Duvall to the, like the crazy man, Jesus to the, the stoic, perfect, you know, this, this right. perfect being. And then you come, you come and you watch the chosen. And I don't think it's any insignificance that the first real like characterization development you do with him. Oh, we see him with Mary. Uh, that's the first scene with him, but the, the actual characterization, the development of him where you get to actually see him interact is with children yes. in a camp. And this, it just blew me away. That's one of my favorite episodes. And it's, I don't think it's one that's mentioned so much, but it, to me, it's just such, such a powerful picture of, of Jesus's just love patience, and, his, love, and his patience. Grace, so it, model. it takes this two dimensional thing and you know, even reading it in scripture, uh, and we go back to scripture always. But even reading it to, in scripture, we see two dimensions, and it brings it to such life that it that it makes it so real and personable mm-hmm. to you. It opens you up, yeah, uh, to his. Yeah, humanity. that's actually the reason we. That's actually the reason that I wrote episode three was Jesus is introduced at the end of episode one. Mm-hmm. He comes in again at the end of episode two. And what I didn't want to have happen was that as we're telling as we're telling the story of this show, that every time we are introduced to Jesus or we see him, we have to take time to try to fit in these human moments <laughs> and try to get rid of your expectations of who Jesus is. Right. So like in episode two of season one, Jesus comes over to Mary's house and yes. he knocks on the door and she answers and they have this kind of awkward exchange. And, and at one point he's like, so can I come in? Um, <laughs> exactly. And then. And, and, and then later, because she's so awestruck, right. she doesn't even say anything. So there's this awkward pause, and he just goes, "I don't want to be rude, but uh, could I?" Come in? <laughs> right, and then exactly. Later, and later, later, like a couple minutes later, one of the characters who doesn't know that Jesus is the Son of God, of course, all he knows is that he's this guy guess, from yeah. who apparently healed his friend. Right. Um, he says he, he tells a joke at, at the expense of Jesus's hometown. Right. And Jesus winks winks at him. <laughs> right. And those little moments right there. Mm-hmm. I have heard from tens of thousands of people who have Oof. specifically said Jesus winking like changed their life. Yeah. Like it really. So what I wanted to do to answer this original comment was episode three. I said, let's just do an episode where we just spend some alone time with Jesus and we see him doing all these human things mm-hmm. and we see kind of a preview of his ministry with these children. Right. So we don't have to, the rest of the episodes always be trying to kind of explain, Oh, he's just a normal guy. Yeah. So, Episode three is where we just rested in it. And there yeah. was no exposition. There's no boring dialogue. It's just, we see Jesus, like we see Jesus's bedtime routine. Yeah. And I remember my son, my son who was 17 at the time, he happened to be on set visiting and he was watching the filming of Jonathan doing that bedtime routine. And then he watched the filming of Jonathan praying, like the character of Jesus praying to his father right. uh, in stress and just really pleading with God to reveal his will. And to just, they were having this kind of, it's kind of this stressful prayer. And my son said to me, Oh my goodness, like this is drawing me closer to Jesus than anything mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Right. And I'm like, 
I think we're on to something. I think this notion of <laughs> this could be the humanity big. of Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. But I think the, huma- the, 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 the humanity of Jesus seems to have been the for many for many people the thing that removes the scales from sure. their eyes and allows them to see the divinity of Jesus. Even right. Clearly. Well, you know, I think a lot of what has gotten in the way of Christianity over the past two thousand years is this whole concept of religion versus relationship. And I think The Chosen does a great job of building relationship because that's what everyone ultimately wants is relationship. They just don't always know it. Right. <laughs> but they but they want relationship with him. And so this is yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you guys talk a lot about theology, obviously, and, and uh, I don't do a whole lot of that. Not be, I mean, I do it in my private life, and uh, I, I mean, I was a Bible major in college. I'm, 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 I'm a student of theology, but my I feel like my calling is – when Jesus talked about in his parable, and we showed this in episode four of season one, that you know he wants them to be fishers of men and to cast a net and to gather fish of all kinds, mm. and I'll sort them out. Mm-hmm. I'll right. sort them out later. Yes, that's such a and, big deal. That's something that we've talked about a whole lot on in, in Theonauts is this idea that you, in, in our churches, we, we tend to shoot our wounded and we tend to try to separate the fish, uh, the fish yeah. from, you know, the bad fish. And uh, the fact is, it's Christ, that it's God that does that. That's not our job. Our job is to love and, and take care of others. But I wanted to add another point, too, going back to that, the Mary Shabbat, even though, you know, uh, you're showing his humanity the fact that he comes down and sits in Elijah's chair <laughs> is like Yeah, don't genius. tell us you're not into theology. Like, 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 <laughs> that was like brilliant. We got that. <laughs> well, yeah, I saw what you did there. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have uh, – it's it's the theology geeks that, that love that <laughs> yeah. more than anything else. I'm like, like oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, He's the great. new Elijah. And I'm like, oh, good. We got, there's uh, about eight. Eight of our 10 million viewers uh, picked up on that. So, that's, <laughs> so thanks that's really for cool. that, uh, throwing <laughs> us a bone. But uh, talking about some other characters, so, um, I mean, we've exhausted, or you've exhausted the whole Matthew being on the spectrum thing, but that is, I just want to say it's brilliant, even though I don't know if you've gotten a lot of like hate mail from that or a lot of good mail, but that, that's been an amazing thing mm-hmm. for me to watch him and it makes his perfect sense yeah, with what we read in right. the book of Matthew too. So. It does. So I love one of my favorite scenes is when John and Matthew are sitting there talking, and this is just a recent one where John has this conversation about, well, I'm not going to put in, you know, every little detail of Matthew says mine's, mine's going to be different. You know, <laughs> it's, this is brilliant, brilliant, just yeah. characterization. I love it. Um, so yeah. wh- where did that, that thought a, yeah, come I mean, from? That was a big deal. Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was just asking where the thought for that came from. Like, what? Yeah. Well, f- first of all, yeah, we, we, we've gotten, we, we get hate about everything. So, I mean, every decision we make is <laughs> yeah, going to get hate, okay. hate from somebody. So, it's, uh, so I, but I just don't, I just don't care about that. Sure. But you just throw it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, um, <laughs> the decision for the most part, the, the, the decision that we ended up making, which I'll describe in just a second has had massive impact on the show, meaning, uh, from parents of autistic children mm-hmm. to uh, people on the spectrum directly uh, who have outright said to us that seeing a portrayal of someone on the spectrum in a Jesus show has completely transformed their life and right. made them realize that they can have a relationship with Jesus just yes. like typical people can. And then also people who aren't on the spectrum or people who you know aren't even familiar with it, it feel, feel, felt like a very human way into the show because when you normally see bible shows 
these characters don't have personalities. They're not distinct yeah. from each other. Exactly. So having having something that feels again, it feels modern, but it, of course, it, uh, people we get this was so funny about people criticizing the show sometimes for being modern. I'm like they they had autism back then. It just didn't they just didn't have a name for <laughs> they it. They didn't call it's it like that. autism yeah. was just yeah it just wasn't invented <laughs> right. you know from a, some va- vaccine uh, uh, contra- you know uh, 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 what am I what's the word I'm looking for the lab uh, somewhere conspiracy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, but anyway uh, when we were first choosing which characters are going to be our main characters for the show we're looking through the gospels for okay who has a story that would be really compelling for television and has an arc that will be able to be sustained over the course of multiple seasons. Right. And we, one of the people that stood out to us was Matthew, because in one verse you see a lot that's really interesting to unpack, which is he's a tax collector. Mm-hmm. Jesus walks by his booth, says, follow me. And Matthew immediately drops everything and follows him. Right. So, wow, that's just one verse or two verses, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. But that, there's a lot being said there that we don't really know a lot about if you just read the Gospels. Right. You, you hear references to how hated tax collectors were, right. but you don't know the extent of it. And what would cause a guy like Matthew to, A, become a tax collector when he's a Jew, because tax collectors were hated by the Jews, sure. disrespected by the Romans, and then what would cause him to then drop everything and follow Jesus, just like that. So as we started developing what we call our character profile, you know, you start writing all the, what are the characteristics of this guy that we're going to write about? Right. And you, and I, I'm very familiar with the autism community. I'm, I, I have it in my family. I, I'm a little specter me myself. <laughs> uh, all, all these things I'm just very familiar with. And we started doing all these character profiles, you know, and the first chapter of Matthew's book is nothing but a series of, it's just a genealogy. Right. Divided into three, you know, three sections of 14. Yeah. yeah it's the numbers and, are crazy in that, in yeah, that first chapter. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's, he's obsessed with numbers. He's obsessed with facts. And he chose a profession that made him a social outcast. And I'm yeah. like, he's, he, he feels kind of specter me. And then I thought, <laughs> wouldn't that be really cool? Like if we just made him, like, what if he was actually on the spectrum? What if he had Asperger's? And we just thought this would be a really human way into the story and into the character and for the audience. And it has proven to be, be, be probably besides Jesus, the number one most responded to character journey in, in yeah. the show. Well, I'd He's imagine easily. so, yeah. I mean, all all of your characters have been developed great. My my favorite is, is uh, Thomas. Uh, I, I just love the the wedding in Cana. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. But the aspect of of that young man and and his his struggle with trusting his his being down on himself for you know messing up and all that, and then and then choosing, especially in season two, when um his um oh what's her name the girlfriend Rama Rama yes Rayma. when when Rama's father is you know reluctantly allowing her to go along with him him standing there you know choosing Jesus and choosing to follow Jesus in spite of all of the struggles that's that's going to cause him and so i mean there's just so many different different character developments well, and one of the things that i wanted to to kind of ask about too is I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're doing, you know, character sheets and coming up with, you know, how you're going to to display these characters. But what I found really cool and fascinating is the interlocking things that you're doing. So, for example, Thomas being the wine provider. <laughs> right. For the, and, and, of course, and more recently, oh, Jesse man. being healed by the pool of Bethesda, being the brother of Simon, Simon the, the Zealot. Zealot which like, is genius. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so so when you're doing these things, like at some point, are you just like, hey, we should connect these two characters? Or 
Um, how do yeah. how, how do you that do that? <laughs> like, how do you do that? I'm so, <laughs> so good. amazed by that process. Well, there's two, two factors. One is you've got so many, you've got 12 disciples. You've got right. plus, plus with the women that follow Jesus. And right. I mean, if we, some people forget that they, they think of the term disciple as just referring to the 12. Mm-hmm. Jesus actually had, I think the, the number, you guys might know this better than I do. I think he had actually like seventy-two right around that yep. disciples, yeah. and then and then even more. Yeah, like there was kind of a large group that followed him around. Then there was this group of seventy-two, and then he kind of identified the twelve. Yeah, who I that. think I, mm-hmm. I I I tend to kind of call them the apostles to right. differentiate them sure. from the disciples. But we get people all the time saying like, "Why are you treating Mary like she was a disciple?" And I'm like, "Because she was. Because <laughs> she disciple. was a disciple." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it says in the Bible they, she, that she and Joanna and a few other women That's right. followed. Followed Jesus and were part of his disciples. It's kind of an important one, too, by the way. I mean, she's the (laughs) first one that sees Jesus risen. So, yeah, yeah, a big deal. So, (laughs) yeah. So, um, there's so many characters that are so important that we want to keep track of that the show could easily get away from itself. So, one of the reasons why we sometimes combine stories is just for the sake of clarity, just so that you, you don't have so many story threads going that it gets ridiculous. So, we're we're consciously looking for opportunities to, you know, for, to use Thomas as an example. Um, if you're thinking, all right, we got this wedding at Cana. We've got this really cool story where Mary says, uh, Jesus's mother says, please, uh, you know, do, do this miracle. Right. And then she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Right. And so it's like, all right, well, now we got to introduce the servants because their story is really important. And then it becomes a, what if, what if like the servant was Thomas <laughs> and what if, because then, you know, he's a doubter and that could be really cool. Right, you can and, fit that and in. Beca- so so th- sometimes it comes from that direction. Other times it comes from the direction of how do we want to introduce Thomas? Or how do we want to mm. introduce, how do we want to bring in this new disciple? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Simon the Zealot, for example, it's like, how do we want to introduce <laughs> Simon the Zealot? Uh, then as we're working through the story of the Pool of Bethesda, we're like, wow, I get, it would be really efficient and really cool and this idea came from my co-writer Tyler. Tyler, my co-writer, is the one who tends to be the one who comes up with these, <laughs> you know, cra- crazy ideas. He's the one who's kind of crazy. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, he's brilliant. And, I mean, that's no, he's so, brilliant. He's, yeah, that's he's, so he's awesome. Tru- he's truly brilliant. Yeah. What I'm good at is I'm good at making it happen, taking the crazy idea and then actually making it <laughs> plausible and human. And, yeah, that's how the and, best. Uh, make them, that's how the best uh, team teamworks work. So that's great. Yeah, and then my are you saying I'm the writer, crazy one? Is yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, Anyways, yeah. and then my other my other co-writer Ryan is the one who, who who's able to turn it into a real plot that, that oh, works yeah. well. So all that to say, um, the, the the number one reason is because we we we're trying to be efficient. We're trying to if we can combine stories, it really is a, a, just a more compelling way and a more clear way of of introducing these people uh, and and knocking out multiple birds with one stone. Sure. Then the other thing is. We, we just really believe that if you can find a plausible way to introduce these people uh, remarkably, mm-hmm. meaning if we can create for them a before that makes their after that much more exceptional, yes. like their, yes. their, the, 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 the after they met, they meet Jesus, sure, it just becomes so much more relatable to the viewer. Right. And we never want to contradict scripture. We never want to contradict the character intentions of scripture. Sure. Uh, our, our operating principle is, is this plausible? Mm-hmm. But if we can create 12 different human beings among the disciples, uh, you know, I heard a friend of mine once say, he said, typically in Jesus movies, 
there's three disciples. There's Simon, who's the famous one. There's Judas, who's the betrayer. And then there's the other 10 disciples. All <laughs> That's right. The same. They all, they all look and sound the same. They have no distinct personalities. Right. If we can really create 12 distinct personalities and backstories, mm-hmm. um, then there's always going to be someone that a viewer can go, ah, I'm that guy. Yeah. And he, Jesus called me too. Mm. Or in the case of Mary or, right. uh, you know, or Mary's mother or whoever, it can say, I'm that woman and I can connect with that person. Sure. Well, I think that, uh, since that's kind of of where you're going with this, it was perfect to start with Mary and and her response to Nicodemus has kind of been the response everyone is experiencing. This whole I was one way and now I'm I'm now I'm this way and he's what is different. Like he's what made the, the difference. Yeah, I, I was I'll, I'll help you out there. Okay, I was one thanks. way. And now, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. There you uh, go. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, and it's like, that's like the mantra that all of them can say. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I and love some that. Of them are and, yeah, still, and, go ahead. Well, the reason we, we started with Mary was we knew that the first episode of, of season one was going to need to be two things. One, it was going to need to be challenging and just good television, meaning any good pilot episode of a show introduces you to these characters and takes its time. It, it really takes its time sure. in developing who they are, where they're from. And we knew that that was going to be for a lot of people, especially Christians. In fact, non-Christians have a much easier time watching episode one than Christians do. Right. Because non-Christians aren't comparing it to anything. They're not yeah. trying to find the Bible verse that this is from. <laughs> right. They're, right. Sitting they're going, where's Jesus? Where's this guy? Where's that guy? They're just watching it like they do any other show. Yeah. Christians tend to watch episode one of season one going, where's Which Jesus? Bible verse is that from? And yeah, and where, where's Jesus? So, we knew we needed to do that, but secondly, we had to give them a powerful enough ending that reassured them that, okay, this show is going to have Jesus in it. It's going to be about life change. Right. It's going to give you the hits, the Jesus's greatest hits. It's going to be a, an impactful show. It's not going to just be a, a challenging slog. And so Mary Magdalene's story, we felt for one episode had the most dramatic shift from death right. to life. Yes. And so we thought we, if we can introduce Mary and really nail the character of Mary so that at the end of that episode, when Jesus finds her and, and, and calls her by name, it's mm. going to be a gut punch that makes you go, Whoa, okay. If this show is going to be like this, I'm in. Right. And uh, her, her, her story felt like the one that we could most quickly tell, but still be impactful in one episode. Sure. Well, before we move on from characters, cause we're, <laughs> I don't want to run out of time. I don't either. Um, I, I wanted to mention one thing since we were on Mary and that is the portrayal of the women characters. So we're big fans on the Theonauts of showing how much Jesus valued the women right. in his life. And, and that, uh, you know, the church has traditionally done things with women that is just not quite scriptural. Like it's not it Jesus-oriented. Yeah, that's right. And one of the things I love about what you're doing is, like, for example, making Mary like kind of the first one, which is perfect because she's the first one, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. who sees Jesus resurrected. So um, so a- another good example is what you did with Eden. Um, yep. So Eden's not actually in the scriptures by name, but... Uh, but what you did, like as far as how is Peter going to move forward following Jesus with this with a wife? Right. And I loved the conversation Jesus has with Eden when he basically says, This is your calling, mm. and gives it to her. And so anyway, so uh what what are your yeah. takes on on the women in this in the series? Yeah, it's 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 a 
it's it's somewhat of a tough road to to walk on because I think that the issue of women in scripture is oftentimes addressed on one extreme or the other. So I've had people tell me that I'm, you know, that I've got some sort of feminist agenda because of how we portray women in the show. And then I've had people tell me that the the show bothers them because women are subjugated and all that stuff. And I feel like in in, in the course of of church history, uh, even the church has kind of gone one extreme or the other. We tend to overcorrect. And we go... Uh, some some churches are like, I don't want women to be subjugated, so we're going to go the opposite direction, and it's going to be a women-led church. Or you got other people who say, if you portray women like we do in the show, uh, you're you got a feminist agenda. So we're just trying to be authentic. I mean, it was very clear that back then in the first century, uh, and within the Jewish faith, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, uh, women did not have status. Right. Uh, much at all. I mean, they, they, I think some people mis, misunderstood some of the rules and mistreated women. Um, and I think there's myths about it. I mean, women had jobs, like it even says in the Gospels, that some of these women actually supported Jesus's ministry. So this notion that women back then were, were, were just kind of beaten down and weren't allowed to do anything is just a myth. Right. But for us, it was just a, we don't have an agenda here. We just believe that authentically portraying the stories of Jesus includes and must include the significant role of women yes, that was valuing, part of his ministry. Valuing them. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, think about it. A woman was the first one to see Jesus after the resurrection. A woman was the first one that he kind of publicly announced his messiahship to, yes. the woman at the well. That's yes. one of the reasons why I love that. Another great so episode, yeah. Yeah, so the beginning of the show is kind of the story of Mary, and the end of the episode, of, of season one is the story of this woman at the well. Um, and uh, to, to us, it just felt like an authentic way to kind of make sure that we shifted expectations a little bit about what these stories are. There's so many things that people mm. say when they watch the show where they go, I just didn't realize that, or I didn't remember that, or I didn't know this. Is, I'm trying to intentionally do something new that just jolts our understanding of and our appreciation for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to, what I call, I just call it an elbow, you know, sometimes <laughs> you get so, we get so caught up in a pattern. In fact, you're wearing a shirt that's the logo of our show, which is a bunch of fish all going in one direction. They're all gray. It's the opening credits of the show. They're all going in one direction. Yes. And then Jesus comes along. He's the teal fish and he's going the other direction. And mm-hmm. one by one, they these start 12 following. fish. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, wow. turn, they turn, they, they turn teal and, and they start following Jesus. And so our logo is 13 fish all going in the opposite direction of the, of the, of the routine. And that's what I want the show to do. I want the show to jolt you a little bit. We're not changing the story. We're not trying to have some sort of new agenda. We're just, in my opinion, uh, showing it from a different perspective so that it unlocks you a little bit. It jolts you out of your sleep mm. and it and it kind of reinvigorates your understanding of who Jesus was. Sure. And at the same time, you're putting it in such a, I mean, you're putting it in its correct context, the, the Jewishness, the uh, the his, yeah. historicity of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, them them doing their um, Jewish liturgies at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, the the wedding at Canaan. Whenever they they do their, you know, they drink their cups mm-hmm. and they they do the salutes. I mean, that is it's so so well done. So one of the questions I had: What kind of research are you doing? What who who do you have people on set just helping you with that kind of uh, the with aspect the of it, stuff. the cultural the hermeneutics yeah. of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not as much on set. I mean, all of our department heads, so our wardrobe department and our props department and our production design and all that, they sure. they have people they go to and websites that they go to. 
uh, when we're writing, uh, we have uh, three, what we call or just our Bible experts, or our theology experts. It's a, it's a, it sounds like a joke. It's a Catholic priest, a Messianic Jewish rabbi, and an evangelical. <laughs> and you, you That's feel like great, you're going to say a, a, a priest, a, yeah, a priest, a, a rabbi, and an evangelical walk into a bar. The evangelical <laughs> leaves quickly because he can't, he's not allowed to drink. That's right. Um, but, yeah. um, but uh, what, they serve two purposes. One is to make sure that I'm not stepping outside of b- biblical and cultural uh, guardrails. Mm-hmm. I want to be as authentic as possible. I want to be as accurate as possible. Sure. Um, so uh, they, they all, you know, my evangelical scholar and my Messianic Jewish rabbi all know Hebrew. They all, uh, my Messianic Jewish rabbi, of course, knows the cultural elements right. really well. So we go to him a lot for certain questions. Uh, the Catholic priest who uh, named by, by the name of Father David Guffey, I'm not Catholic, uh, but what I and he's not necessarily a cultural expert on the Jewish faith. But what I like to know is, I want to know: Are there things that I would that I would be doing that would be unnecessarily distracting certain faith denominations? Sure. I have no problem whatsoever offending somebody. <laughs> I don't mind getting criticism if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm accurately portraying scripture, right. and if I'm following what I believe are scriptural guidelines. But what I don't want to do, and I'm just going to make up an example: I don't want to have some character, you know, trip over a, a a rock and say something that like the Catholic faith happens to find, I don't know, I'm just making this up. Sure, happens I get to you find offen- yeah. Happens to find offensive. And I've now turned off a whole potential audience unnecessarily. Right. So if I'm going to turn off a whole audience, I'm fine with doing that. I just want it to be for, I, I, right out be right. <laughs> I want it to be, yeah, for truth, for truth. So you know, I just want to know what potential landmines sure. I need to be aware yeah. of so that if, if I can't avoid them, I, I, I want to, if I can't avoid them, then fine. You know, I mean, right. I, every time I portray, every time I portray Mother Mary, that's the most controversial difference sure. between mm, Protestants and Catholics. Yes. So I'm always yes. walking on, 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 uh, <laughs> on a line when I do yeah. that. But other than that, other than that, I just want to know, like, is there anything that I, 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 I could, I could, mm. any landmines I could step on unknowingly that are just completely unnecessary? Sure. I mean, and your portrayal of her has been absolutely dynamite, especially man the, uh, the scene at the end of the night when he's been healing all day. Oh yeah. And he comes in and his Ema's there, you know, and taking care of him. Yeah. You know, and beforehand she said something like to to the tune of. I, you know, I don't know he if he need needs me. me. He yeah, he doesn't need me, need me anymore. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, what would I do without you? You know, this beautiful yeah. portrayal of father and son. I, it's just, again, it keeps going back to the humanity of it all and the, the characterization of the narrative that you guys do so well. And I think that that is what is most effective about The Chosen, uh, mm-hmm. bar none. That, and then being able to tie in these giving backstory is just genius. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, great. it's yeah. I, I was shocked when Jesse stands up, walks out, Simon, the zealot's about to kill his Mark looks at his brother and puts down the knife. You know what I mean? That's just, that's good. Right, man. So kudos. Well, thank you. Well, I think that's that, that story. Uh, it's an episode four of season two where, um, one of the things we try to do is what are some of the really compelling cinematic and spiritual reasons Jesus might've chosen to do a specific thing. Right. So, you know, what if Jesus healing the man at the pool of the Bethesda, that one guy, I mean, there were many people at the pool sure, of Bethesda who right. needed healing. Why did he choose that one? Well, one reason that I believe is plausible and possibly even factual 
is that he was intentionally doing it to stir the waters, as we yes. say in the episode, to, to kind of tick off the fair, kind of right. tick off the fair. Yeah, because Matthew he, even he tells, asked, why couldn't you have waited just a few minutes? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But in scripture, I believe it's it's plausible that that Jesus did it on purpose to, to get mm-hmm. the Pharisees. Sure. He specifically told the guy to pick up his mat. So there's that. But what if, it, you know, we start to question, like, what, what else? What other some other reasons he could have done it? What if it was to get to his brother? What if it wasn't about the guy he was healing? And that's actually true of a good chunk of the miracles we've been doing so far. Yeah. Is even in the way we film them, you know, ultimately when it comes time for the miracle, it's about Jesus and the person. And he'll he'll say, look at me, and it's just one on one. But we spend a lot of time visually, artistically, musically, audio-wise showing how it's impacting the people who are watching. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 healing of the man who was lowered through the roof Mm -hmm. in episode six of season one. Like that guy who was lowered through the roof was probably the least important guy in the whole scene. Like yeah. we don't spend much time. <laughs> don't even really know who you. he was. Right. Yeah. We don't know who he is. We don't talk about him much. It's about what this is doing to Nicodemus, what it's doing to Matthew, Matthew what it's yes. doing to Simon Peter, yeah. what it's doing to his 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 best friend Tamar, the Ethiopian woman, right. uh, who 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 makes an, you know who's coming up in future episodes, and. Uh, Wow. And what it does to you know Matthew especially, who's just yeah. like, what the heck did I just see? Exactly. So that was true. That was true of Jesse in episode four as well. He's healed. We got to know Jesse. We know a lot about him. Jesus was definitely healing him, but Jesse's just one part of this story. Yeah. Of who's impacted? Which when you see at the end of the episode, you see Simon the Zealot. You know, he sees the healing. He, he he doesn't kill somebody. He goes and talks to his brother. And what does he do? He's like. He sees his brother Jesse pointing to where Jesus went, and he takes off. He's like, "I got to go find this guy." Yes. Right. And how does that impact? How does that impact the Roman who's following the zealot? You know, now he's following the zealot. He's going to come <laughs> across Jesus, of course, at some point. Wow. We we've got plans for future seasons for all of us. You know? <laughs> so it's it's all it's all part of this plan, and we we just think it's really exciting when you because, go, yeah. Gosh, what if this one miracle impacted like five people in it? Oh yes. And the cool thing is, that's the type of thing God would do. Like yeah. that's the type of thing that right. we see it in our lives when whenever we we have these quote unquote God moments right. where oh that's happening to you too or something happens to you and it impacts somebody else like it's a perfect model for how yeah. God actually works right so um, yeah you were talking about the logo and the symbolism of it. Which made me, okay, as a kind of a film geek and somewhat... He went to school for film, so he's like big (laughs) into that kind of stuff. One of the things that I picked up up on a lot of of things was little Easter eggs, um, little symbols that pop up in an episode here or there that just floor me. So like one of the things uh, as a pet study project was the temple. And we're looking at all the symbols in the temple, the pomegranates, the gourds. All this, and I'm noticing in the marketplaces around significant events, you've got like baskets of gourds. You've got one in the last episode, it was like, was it Thomas that was like, I just want to bite into this pomegranate? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was just wondering, oh, and, the, and like the first season, I noticed crosses in the shadows, like all over the place. So I guess my question is, is that how much of that is intentional and how much, how much of it is just. Happy little accidents. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I would love to say that I'm smart enough and talented enough to have all these little subtle, you know, uh, film school-esque <laughs> symbols that are all popping up throughout the, the episodes. Uh, but the main reason that you see a lot of pomegranates is because 
Uh, we just have a lot of them in the props department. And <laughs> <laughs> to use them from season to season and episode to episode. You thought you were and, onto uh, something, yeah. and it was totally yeah. not your. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then the the, the crosses. I I discovered those uh, after people started commenting on on them in the fan club. Like, oh, oh yeah. look what's happening when Jesus is hugging Mary in the background. There's a, a two lights that are in the shape of a cross and. And, uh, and then in the scene with Nicodemus, when he's up on the yes. on the on the roof, there's a there's a cross shaped yes, shadow behind him on the one. wall, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> I, had, I love it. I had no idea. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad so, you're humble enough to be like, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> do that on purpose. Yeah, someone in, uh, in in the in the exorcism of uh, of Mary Magdalene, or at least the attempted exorcism of Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. by Nicodemus, there's it, she, he goes into the room and she's. Growl, growling and right. talking to him and all this stuff. And apparently there's this red apple on the floor that's near her. And this woman goes, I just got to tell you, I am so impressed by the symbolism and how you had this apple that symbolizes, you know, Lilith and the garden yes, of Eden and, and, and Oh, wow. Yes. Sin. And I'm like, there's an apple in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and I looked and I'm like, oh, yeah, when we were showing, when we kind of threw things onto the floor to make it look like it was a mess, we are like, right. oh, there's an apple. And that's really cool. But uh, <laughs> Well, I think are, somebody's involved. Yeah. I think somebody's involved. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's for sure true. There's been many things, many, many, many things. On a serious note, there's been many things that God has done and said through this show sure. that I had nothing to do with. Uh, but And there are things that you haven't met you know, that you haven't mentioned that I, that we did just little subtle things that we tried to do that just little symbolisms. But yeah, the ones you mentioned, I'm like, Oh yeah. The pomegranates. Yeah. That's just because we happen to have a lot of pomegranates. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're cheap and they, and, and they're fake. So we don't, they don't, they don't spoil. Right, and right. Uh, so we, we just use them and, and they they actually taste really good. There, there wasn't a ton of agricultural diversity back then, like there mm-hmm. is now. So sure. you'll see, you'll see some things pop up more than often. So, what I mean, I don't know if you could answer this, but what is your favorite episode so far? What I mean for you, like, what is the one that that has just impacted you? And have we seen it yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny because some people ask me my favorite character. I never answer that one, but I do. I do answer my favorite episode. I would say um, my favorite episode overall probably remains episode four of season one. Um, you know, the whole, because the lead up to the whole miracle of the fish, right. uh, mm-hmm. I just believe we, I just believe we, we, the story of Simon and why he got desperate and sure. how it impacted Matthew, who was following Simon, all that stuff. I just felt like plotting wise was, was our, was really strong. And then the, the, the music of that, of oh, that yeah. miracle sequence is just so awesome. And I, it was so unexpected for me. It's not what I thought was going to be the music. So uh, when our composer suggested it, it just really blew me away. So there's that. The last 10 minutes of episode seven of season one, uh, which is the, the Nicodemus Jesus scene in the right. of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'll ever be able to to do 10 minutes of film that are better than that. I feel like that was kind of like a, like the pinnacle. I, I have to agree. That yeah, was, that's just, pretty impressive. I, I just, yeah. I was just like, I, that's, it's only going to go downhill from here. Um, so well, I will say that, um, you know, the last episode that I, I don't know when this, when our conversation is, is airing, but episode four of season two from strictly a cast and crew artistic uh, factor, you know, just from like, that was that episode is the biggest triumph for all of us from all oh, our wow. departments, production design, wardrobe, mm-hmm. uh, cast, music, um, cinematography, the writing, the, 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 the things we did, we really went out on a limb and, you know, the opening 10 minutes of that episode has no dialogue right. and it tells 
literally mm-hmm. 45 years of story in, right. in 10 minutes with no dialogue. It's like the intro um, the to ending up. of it with <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, we were inspired by that. Um, and then the ending, the, the combination of slow motion and, and regular speed and all that, just art from a purely artistic standpoint, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll, I, I believe that's probably our favorite. But I, but for many people, I mean, there were plenty of people who were like, oh, that episode wasn't nearly as good as episode three. Episode <laughs> three was so much more. And they, they talk of things like good versus bad, which I think is a mistake. But right. episode three, which was our, which was all in one spot, you know, covered just a couple hours of time. Is all kind of outdoors, right. uh, just completely different episodes. So everyone's subjective, but I uh, personally, you know, from an artistic perspective, episode four of season two was a triumph mm. for us. Sure. And because uh, it turned out as good or better than we hoped. And I didn't even know it was going to be good until like the week before we finally finished it because wow. there's so many different moving parts that you just don't know how they're all going to come together. Right. But yeah, episode, episode four is my favorite. And then the, the, the last, I always say the last 10 minutes of episode seven are my favorite 10 minutes of. Both of those are definitely, man, the most impactful. I think David, mine, mine is, uh, for sure, uh, the episode where you turn the the story of the Good Samaritan on its head. Um, you've had (laughs) me, you've had me crying like this entire, you've made, you've made me cry more than like my high school (laughs) girlfriend. I'm just letting you know that right now. But like, so I blame that on you, but when he wakes up in the morning, when Jesus wakes up in the morning with a smile on his face and he just goes, somebody, somebody's having a good, or, you know, that a family's having a good morning. And the little girl is the thing that gets me more than anything else. Imagining her waking up and seeing her dad walk and new life being breathed into, I have a Mm five-year-old daughter and that just, I'm about to cry now. I just made, (laughs) made me just so um, emotional because it's, it's exactly what Jesus does. He restores completely. And that's such a beautiful picture. Mm So um, man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's great to hear. That's great to hear because it's, it is funny to see people analyze each episode on its own or they analyze each season on its own. And we're trying to train our viewers to look at this like a seven season sure, story yeah. and to not try to, I mean, I love people breaking down each episode and on YouTube, there's tons of reaction videos. To right. It's all fun, but they'll be like, I didn't like this episode as much as this episode, or I didn't mm. like, uh, or this one was better than this one. And to me, that's like watching a movie and you're halfway through the movie and you go, these last five minutes weren't as good as the previous five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's like, no, you got, you got to, you got to step back for right. a second. Just look at this as a complete story. Mm-hmm. And what's funny, the reason that I'm, I'm moved by what you're saying is because there's been plenty of people who've said, oh, season two is not as emotional for me as season one. And I was, uh, part of that I was slightly concerned about because season two is a more transitional season. Sure. I think season two is actually probably closer to what the show really is, which is a character drama. Right. The last four episodes of season one were like just miracle. The Big week. things. I mean, yeah. Episodes five, six, seven, and eight were just like over the top just highlight yeah. reels. Yeah. yeah. Just highlight reels. And we were, we as writers were like, we've got to get back to, we got to kind of redirect just a little bit for the right. audience's sake and for our sake, because this isn't sustainable. We can't have 56 episodes of, right. of big, huge miracles because that eventually the, they become anticlimactic. And so right. there's we, a long are, ways to much go. More, yep. Yeah. We're just much more, more, more of a slow burn kind of show and a sure. character drama. And we want to make mm. sure that that's how the audience watches it. Well, so I'm glad to hear that season yeah. two has been impactful for you. It's been great. We, we know you got a hard stop coming up really soon. Um, so yeah, I got a few more minutes though. So if you've got some rapid fire questions that you wanted to ask, uh, please, <laughs> well, please um, go ahead and I'll do my best to answer them quickly. We yeah, just, the main thing that I just wanted to, to, to kind of end up on is, so you're about to move to Texas, right? <laughs> okay. So now you're, we're, we're in Texas here and I'm not going to like 
creep on you or ask you where you're moving. <laughs> <laughs> but as an as a as a Texan and kind of a Texan who would I like to, here for to a while. yeah to to welcome you to the state of Texas, um, I want to give you a little Texas history quiz and see how you do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you handle it? Well, my name, I'm going to try. My name is Dallas. Yeah, it is. Yeah, You've got that going for you already. And I noticed already. you got an actor named Houston, right? Or Austin. Uh, uh, yeah, we have an Austin. An Austin, yeah. 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 So, and there you go. So, cool. so that so you get a couple points already for that. But Okay. Uh, so uh, do you know what the Texas state bird is? Oh, man. I... <laughs> For some reason, the Redbird came to mind, but that's not accurate. I, I uh, it's like St. Louis, I know the Redbird. So. Yeah, exactly. So, I, 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 um, if you stick to sports questions, I'll, I think I'll knock it out of the park. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, what is the Texas State Bird? The Mockingbird. It makes total so, sense. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Let's get you. <laughs> okay. Well, what about the state flower? You think you know the state flower? Okay. So I. I'm going to forget, and because I'm because of the pressure's on, I'm going to forget it. But I, yes. I actually did know this recently because when we were filming, I remember something about like we were going to use that flower in the shot. And someone said, "Oh, that's perfect. That's a st- Texas state flower." Yeah, so yeah. I don't remember what it is, but but <laughs> but hopefully hopefully I'll get points for for, yes. for assuring you that I did did know what you it was saw. It. You probably saw it every time you drive through Texas because it's the blue bonnet. Yeah. They're like growing all yeah, over yeah, yeah. the. There's a law that you're not supposed to pick them. Apparently, okay. So here's some here's that. a here's a couple of easy ones. Finish the, the following phrase. Hook them blank. If okay. you don't get this, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Hook them blank. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, yes. yes. Right? He's showing the horns, by the way, for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hook them so, horns. Is it, is, yeah, is it, I was going to say hook them long horns or hook them yeah. long horns. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Last one. Uh, so complete the following lyric. The stars at night are big, big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. Hey, at least you got that one, man. That's a big deal right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the reason I know that one is, is uh, Pee Wee Pee Wee Herbert. Oh, right? yes. yeah. So, and I knew I could get you to sing because www.thechosengifts.com. Yeah, yeah that's we'll, we won't have you do that again. <laughs> that's good. That's good, man. It has been so, like. Yeah. And a highlight of my uh, podcasting life to have you come on here and uh, and share your thoughts and ideas and uh, and help us understand the chosen just a little bit yeah. better. So we're really excited about Creepy John in and, the next episode. And, and before we get you out of here, let's pitch uh, the show. Get the app. Download the chosen yeah. app. Right. And because yeah. y- y'all are on YouTube and Facebook too, but um, but. The, the, yeah, but we, yeah, we, the season one, we did live streams. Right. And we've kept the season one live streams on YouTube and Facebook. And a lot of people discovered the show that way. But long term, uh, you know, we're building our own platform, our own app. And so the only place to watch these episodes, if you miss the live streams, we do the live streams now that we keep them up for 24 hours. Right. And then we take them down, but uh, is on the chosen app. And I know for a lot of people, it's scary. I know a lot of people tried the app and maybe it didn't work right away for them because they're new to it. But it's free. It's easy. You just download the app to your phone. Google, you know, you get the app from the app store. It's called the Chosen app. It's really easy to find. Totally free. You don't have to sign up for anything. And then it connects directly to your Roku, your Apple TV, your Fire Stick, your Chromecast. Or you can watch it on our website, thechosen.tv. I want to flood you with a bunch of different pieces of info. But uh, it it really is new technology that is really awesome. And you can watch it on your big screen TV if if you just cast it from your phone. And we actually are working on an app that will reside 
uh, natively on Roku and on. Oh, Pirates, great! Yeah, great. that's great. Cool. Where you don't even need where you don't even need your phone, but it really does. It really is a great way to do it, and it costs you nothing. And it's you can I could go over to your house and pull up the app on my phone and connect to your Roku, mm-hmm. and you could watch it there. And it's it's totally. Uh, free. So that's how people can watch the show. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we also want to encourage everybody to support this. This is crowdfunded. Uh, it is free to watch, but obviously we want more of it. And so uh, if you can if you can reach out and buy some merch from what's the website? Gifts. Well, we, we call them gifts now. We oh, don't gifts. call them merch anymore. Okay, sorry. Gifts. gifts. And it's it's www.thechosengifts.com. Yes. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's where, that's where you can get, like, uh, I know you're wearing your Against the Current T-shirt, which is yes. the, the logo, which is all the fish. We've made all of our shirts and our hoodies <clears throat> and our products. We have, like, uh, devotional books, a Bible study guide, mm-hmm. um, you know, a novel. We've got a kid's book. All of those things were very, very carefully chosen, no pun intended, but we... We really put a lot of time into them because we don't just want to have like a gift store where it's like, oh, here's sure. some trinkets, here's a keychain, here's something that'll promote the show. These are designed to start conversations. They're designed to take you deeper into the Gospels. We take it very seriously. We've turned down lots of opportunities for merchandise opportunities. We really just want this to be something that is going to have a purpose. And so mm-hmm. when you go to thechosengifts.com, that actually is one of the primary ways that we are actually able to do future episodes and seasons. And you can uh, pay it forward still in the app, right? Like you can just donate. Yeah, in the app or at the, at the website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't call it, it's not a donation. I want to just want to be very clear because we're not a nonprofit. Sure. Absolutely. This is, this, this is the way that the show exists is we don't force you to pay anything. Right. Uh, and if you, if you can't do it, or if you don't feel compelled to do it, I don't want you to, but if you do feel so led or compelled to keep the show free for everybody around the world, to keep us able to continue to do episodes and seasons, mm-hmm. that is the, the model is you can pay it forward. And uh, that's how we're able to do it. Wonderful. So, yeah, we encourage everybody to support The Chosen. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb here. I believe it is the most amazing portrayal of Jesus on film ever. I would agree 100%. I mean, that, I, I, so I am that impressed. Go check it out and go support it. It is definitely. a great, is a great um yeah ministry and so, so i really love what you're doing so thanks a bunch dallas for doing that and and your crew and, and everybody uh i look forward to to watching the next episodes brother so thanks a yeah, bunch thank for you coming so much on. guys that was a, yeah it's a pleasure we'll have to do it again sometime absolutely all right thanks a lot dallas we'll talk to you later man what an awesome interview <laughs> so man dude i am so jazzed about this this it, is so good. I don't th- like. I said I don't think it's at the beginning of the podcast. I don't think it's ever going to get better from here. <laughs> that was incredible. So yeah. thank you so, so much, Dallas. Yes, for thanks for and, being here today and yeah. for giving us uh, an hour of your time. It was uh, a blessing. That's right. And uh, we love what you're doing. Keep up what you're doing. Yes. And guys, if you're listening, go out there support this thing. Keep it going. We got several seasons that have yet to be made. We want to see this thing brought to completion. Right. Because it is so God-honoring. That's right. And um, we love it so much. Life-changing, so go check it out. All right, you ready to get out of here? Hey, let's do it. All right. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Check out our new pop culture podcast, Theopop. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Leave us an email at info at or call us on our voicemail line 
which is 972-885-7270. Find us on Instagram using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us and check out the Chosen series. Amen. So thanks for being here, Jeremiah and Alice. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. All right. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission transmission. You guys are making me look bad in front of God.